You're listening to What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. Check out all our shows on podcast.hyperx.com. Content warning. Religious fundamentalism, occultism, racism, anti-Semitism, sexual assault, suicide, and the devil making you do it. Action, excitement, horror, romance, thrills and chills, swords and sorcery, rockets and ray guns, a dizzying canopy of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination. What mad universe encompasses such tales as these? Join us as we bear witness to the sweeping sprawl of all the history that never was and all the futures that could yet be. It's adventure as you like it on What What Mad Universe. in the clouds steadily settled downward upon the town, but now their eyes were dazzled by the sudden appearance of one lone angel tracing brilliant streaks of light across the sky below them. And what was this terribly loud trumpet all about? Were not the heavenly forces already defeated? Did they dare to think they could possibly defend this town? Suddenly, tiny bursts of light appeared all over the town, far below, flashes that did not dissipate, but remained and grew brighter. They thickened and grew in numbers and density. The town was on fire. It was disappearing under myriads of tiny lights, as numerous as grains of sand. It was blinding. The eerie screams began at the center of the cloud and rippled outward across the layers upon layers of demons. The host of heaven! Thunderous shouts began the moment Tal touched down on his hill and raised his blazing sword high above his head. For the saints of God and for the Lamb! Tal shouted it. Guilo shouted it. Myriads of heavenly warriors shouted it and the entire landscape from one end of the valley to the other, the entire town, and even the forested hills surrounding Ashton erupted in brilliant stars. From the buildings, streets, alleys, sewers, lakes, ponds, vehicles, rooms, closets, nooks, crannies, trees, thickets, and every other imaginable hiding place, flaming stars shot into the air. The host of heaven. Welcome to What Mad Universe. We have a very... A solemn and uh, sacred episode for you today in which we look at a uh, fairly influential and pivotal uh, book by Frank E. Peretti, This Present Darkness. Uh, it's one of the uh, keystones of uh, Christian fiction. Uh, it's also a supernatural thriller. Uh, we'll be taking a look at that uh, with my friend Philip Rice. Hello. We'll be right back after this. Introducing the new HyperX Cloud Stinger 2. The Stinger 2 is a refined evolution of the classic Cloud Stinger and keeps the fan favorite 90 degree rotating ear cups, comfortable memory foam cushions, and the swivel to mute microphone. It also features two years of DTS Headphone X activation for upgraded sound localization, all while keeping the great price of the original Stinger. That's right, get the new Cloud Stinger 2 for only 50 bucks. Now isn't that nice? Available online at Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart, and of course, HyperX.com. SequelCast 2 and Friends looks at movies and video games and franchises one movie and game at a time. Hosted by Matt Bradley Shergi, Thrasher, and Alex Miller, been going since 2009, and we're part of the HyperX Podcast Network. And we're back. So, um, we've dealt with religion on this show before uh we did the episode about a canticle for Leibowitz. um we talked about it here and there in various other places um but um this is the book uh, again this is a, this is one of the more recent books we're looking at it was published in 1986 this present darkness by frank uh, peretti uh who is an ex-pastor and it is very much one of the links in the chain. I'm not going to say it's the first ever, but it was one of the links in the chain uh, that gave us things like uh, the Left Behind series. And Oof. it, yeah, it is uh, definitely tied in with the um, modern day Christian fundamentalist culture that we all 
have become aware of. So uh, this is going to be a bit of a politically charged and uh, theologically charged episode uh, because I have strong thoughts about all this stuff. Um, I did. I did want to say I tried to go into this with as open a mind as possible. Uh, this isn't a book without some value to it, with some virtue to it uh, as a book. Uh, but uh, so it not is... like the Left Behind books. <laughs> it's be- it's better than the Left Behind books. Yes, one hundred percent. And um, but yeah, ultimately uh, it does. Uh, you know, and I and I was hoping that. Uh, when I read it, I could sort of pick out. Well, you know, this is this is uh, this is good, but um, yeah, I, I, I just it it was ultimately a bit depressing to read this because you can see the seeds of so much of the kind of stuff that uh, drives everyone crazy these days. That is uh, that is uh, creating contributing, I think, negatively to our culture. Um, that's my opinion. But uh, let's get into it, and we can see uh, what you think about it, uh, uh, Phil, and everyone and listeners at home um so yeah this is um this is a uh a book um written by an ex-pastor um i i i mean he was an ex-pastor at the time i don't think he ever went back to being a pastor he apparently actually had to stop being a pastor uh to make ends meet he had to do some he had to do some uh some manual labor jobs before he was able to make this uh work um he he uh Apparently he's, uh, yeah, he, there's, a, there's a similarity in his work to Stephen King, uh, and it seems like his backstory is not unlike Stephen King's as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, Phil, have you actually read uh, any of the like Left Behind books or any other sort of uh, Christian No, fiction? no, I used to follow a, a blog, uh, Slacktivist, that uh, did um, weekly, uh, very detailed um, um, explorations of left behind uh um basically going through uh it like paragraph by paragraph um and uh, i read up until like the um half of the second book um basically read it uh in in yeah weird you know truncated form um uh so that that's my main experience with it um yeah, mine too. That is. Uh, oh, yeah, and I've slack... seen I've seen the uh, Kirk Cameron movie, the first one ah. at least, and yeah. the um, uh, Nick Cage version, which is uh, not an adaptation. <laughs> it's like yeah. the first couple uh, chapters. I mean, not that you know there could be a worthwhile adaptation of those of those books, but uh, yeah, that one's just like the first couple chapters. It's barely related. Yeah. Yeah, I uh yes, we saw that one. <laughs> we both saw that one at the same time, I think. And um yeah, it's uh yeah, I I also followed the Slacktivist blog, which was really good. Uh so yeah, I've sort of seen it filtered. And there's like 12 left behind books in the left behind. Oh, series. there's more than that. Um because <clears throat> there's the children's series. Um Oh god. Which has uh gone on for quite a long. I believe uh last time I checked and this was a while ago, there were 68 left behind books in total counting the children's series and others prequels and stuff. Um, so just one short of nice, unless you count the Bible, (laughs) which you shouldn't. Yes, it's definitely, yes. Let's not uh, drag the Bible into this. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, like the, the left behind have a sort of cynical thing of just pumping up content uh i've got to give the this book that's one of the things you i got to give to this book over left behind um it's this book and there's a sequel and that's it um there aren't any more i mean he continued he's he's written a lot of other books but this series there's this isn't a series it's one book and a sequel which i didn't read um the book itself is is considered kind of the groundwork for everything um but uh yeah this book um is a um a book about spiritual warfare it very much lays up the idea of an invisible war that's going on all around us at all times uh between angels and demons and it plays out pretty much as you'd expect um you know the demons are possessing people or whispering to people and telling them what to do and what to think and thereby building up their dominion on earth uh, the plot of the book actually involves them taking over a small town uh, somewhere on the west coast uh, called Ashton, and um, <clears throat> so like Red Dawn. The, 
Well, no, it's more of a sinister conspiracy. Uh, like they're doing it in secret, of course. Okay. The demons are. Uh, the angels are sort of watching, and they've been told to sort of hold back until the time is right. And um, I mean, of course, one of the things the demons are doing is tr- trying to make sure that all the institutions have been stripped of uh, the, not just Christians, but the kind of Christians who can stop them, which is to say, prayer Christian, praying Christians who believe in the Bible, which is very odd to me. Like, oh, yeah, there's lots of Christians who don't believe in well, the Bible, apparently. Um, that's a yeah. code against Catholics. Well, it's okay so that's where it gets a little weird okay so let let me talk about it just quickly um my understanding and i will uh, this is my loose understanding of all this and people have written large books about it so uh, correct uh, you know I, I apologize if i get some of the details wrong here but I, my understanding is that um as you roll from sort of the 60s into the 70s and then into the 80s you can see this shift in american culture in uh, fundamentalism and religion. Um, in particular, the 70s, it really seemed to pick up steam, in which um, the evangelical uh, Christians um, became a very organized political block. Uh, in particular, they would defend, you know, they, 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 um, they shifted over to voting Republican in America, uh, to being conservative voters. Uh, like, they were always conservative, but they, they weren't you know, they weren't necessarily this unified block the way that they've become. Um, and, and like in 1976, the evangelical vote tended to go to Jimmy Carter, who was a Southern evangelical, uh, unsurprisingly, but he was a Democrat. Um, and just in just four years, you suddenly have this sudden shift where uh, numerous groups had organized all their their religious voters, all their church members and so on to go and side and vote for Ronald Reagan and give Reagan all this uh political mandate which he gained a very large uh vote for uh in 1980 and then all through the 80s so at that point you have what we're all familiar with the fundamentalist uh group jerry falwell and 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 all those guys um and it had been a a pretty quick uh turn on a dime and and it was very much like oh if you're a good christian you're going to vote for these candidates you're going to support these uh, aspects of culture. You're going to be anti-abortion. You're going to be uh, increasingly, this took a little while longer to kick in, but anti-evolution and try to get uh, evolution out of schools and get creation taught. Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, as, earlier, as early as like the mid-70s, you didn't see that quite as much. Yeah, I'm not way off on this, right? No, no, no uh, that's is... right. Uh, there was a concentrated effort to... Um, um rally around uh, uh, abortion as a cause, because that wasn't uh, really an issue with uh, evangelicals. Um, it was actually, uh, apparently, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, who was the uh, um, uh, a very far-right um, um, organizer, I guess, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who was Catholic, and she actually um, managed to get evangelicals to care about uh, abortion. It was a Catholic issue, but evangelicals didn't really care about it, uh, which is um, weird to think about. Um, like the, uh, I believe the, uh, what, what's the, the governing body, or the um, um, uh, the uh, Southern Baptist Convention uh, actually had a pro-abortion, um, uh, or pro-choice uh, um, uh, platform at one point, which is wild to think about. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and it's not, like, it's not as cut and dried and straightforward as all this. Like, there were definitely people who were, like, I mean, you go back to the Scopes Monkey Trial in the 1920s, and evolution was seen as... Yeah, uh, uh, but, know, uh, yeah, thing. abortion was, uh, it seems to have uh, been chosen as a thing because... Um, a segregation wasn't an issue they could run on anymore, uh, basically. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and I, I know there I, was a schism. There was a schism in the Baptist Church about that was basically like about race, but they didn't want to say it was about race because, of course, it was like a lot of the old, uh, you know, descendants of slave owners and so on. And, yeah. And there were some who were just like, "Yeah, well, we're putting that behind us," and some of them were like, uh, "You know, no, you know, yes, of course we are, but still." wouldn't it be nice to go back to the confederacy you know like that kind of thing um so that was i know that was a that was a 
factor as well. And of course, famously, like the Reagan administration kind of played on that without actually saying that's what they were doing. Uh, it was all bound up with that, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, this will be our second anti-Reagan episode in a row. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, so, and this was published, this book was published in the depth of the Reagan years. So, um, but I will say, like, it was still a kind of vague at this point in terms of... Um, like what it was standing for and what it was telling like you know the the um this book um it really emphasizes um the evils of the um it's actually one of the things that i find a bit cowardly about it is how vague it is but it does ultimately sort of uh identify the idea of spiritualism and occultism and new ageism as the big evil in this world like that's the big thing that peretti is ranting about uh you know he's he does have some issues with like authorities figures who are corrupt and and greed and so forth and stuff like that but even then it's mostly as a window to get people into quote witchcraft and quote eastern occultism um and like that's the big evil that they're doing and by by uh promoting these ideas they they steer people away from from christianity and also you know although it's touched on fairly briefly the idea that if you're a um uh you know the churches that are liberalizing that quote don't talk about jesus anymore which i i don't know if that ever actually happened but it was the idea of like a you know tall the the vaguely implying the idea of like a tolerant acceptant church uh, that's evil because they're not telling people to pray and to worship Jesus, which I I don't know if that's actually true. That um, sounds like it, nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's it's well, I, I mean, it seems to be the general idea that if you know you're evangelical, you're supposed to be going out and converting people and winning souls for the cause. Uh, but everyone you know is already a Christian or is like linked to Christianity. Like, there's not that many you know pagan worshipers running around out there so you have to find them to say oh they're those are the people i can convert so both they look at the new age stuff and they look at people within uh, a church that isn't you know as fundamentalist or as strong you know it's you know, people who are a little more casual about their faith and they need to turn to that and say that's what we need to convert so it's like a, a conversion within a conversion almost uh because they're they, they aren't going out and you know they aren't able to do missionary work anymore at least not within america um now i i do have to so i mean this this book <laughs> like it 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 reigns it in a, a lot compared to some of the later stuff um and i will say like it's not anti-catholic it does actually talk about how the catholics are helping them to a degree he's actually very vague about the religious denomination he uh, i believe he talks um he seems to have a bit of a swipe at the unitarians uh but otherwise he he doesn't talk much about denomination he he sort of says if you're a denomination you know any denomination can come together uh he i guess he takes a swipe at presbyterians as not being very passionate but like the main character is a presbyterian but then he is born again and it's sort of implied that because he was presbyterian he wasn't very devout in his faith um the main characters are two guys a preacher named uh named uh, buck uh and a uh a um sorry hank not buck <laughs> uh buck's and, left uh, behind yeah buck is left behind you're right and uh marshall hogan who's a reporter and uh, marshall hogan covers the sort of um he really drives the plot he's investigating uh he, he runs this town's paper and he's investigating all the sinister conspiracy goings on and discovering that in particular at the university slash college uh that they are uh you know there's a lot of misappropriation of funds and there has been a you know power play to put certain people on the board at the at the uh at the running the college and thereby install people who teach the wrong kind of ideas and again they kind of tiptoe around it but like so one of the big villains is the psychology professor at the college who is teaching marshall's daughter um who we're told is literally just teaching people witchcraft and occultism and you know the psych and it's all bound up with the psychology of self and learning too much about you know how to uh, you know how to reinforce your own self-confidence and so on inevitably leads to witchcraft and again quote eastern occultism um and she's one of the big it's like she's 
pull on possessed by demons and trying to to bring it bring in a, a satanic uh leadership of the town um and uh you know so that's the kind of thing they're trying to promote and then the other thing is the church the big church in town which is run by a guy who's very much about divinity uh, like divinity of the self and uh, we all have to accept each other and like again he's very vague about it there's not a lot there that makes me go oh you're turning something good into evil because it is a lot of new agey woo that the guy is teaching essentially but it's you know it's better that uh, hank is teaching you know who who is narrowly able to hold on to his job as the preacher of a smaller church um and grow his congregation he's teaching you know believe in jesus and pray for everyone's salvation um that's a crucial thing in this book but yeah anyway like let me just sort of leave it there yeah this book is um very big on the idea of like oh universities are teaching our kids bad stuff which will steer us away from god and make them susceptible to satanism you know like that is a big that's where i started to cringe and just groan uh when i I read it (laughs) like the 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 idea that Oh, our, our our poor kids are learning terrible stuff in school. But it's 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 very much new age. This is, I I actually thought this was a little earlier. So I thought, oh yeah, it's too early for the Satanic Panic and Dungeons and Dragons. But it isn't. It's 1986. That's that would have been past that stuff, right? Um, it it would have been in the midst of it, I think. Yeah. So rather surprisingly, like Dungeons and Dragons does not get mentioned at all. Like the one youth culture thing he points to is at one point there's an arcade which is a den of iniquity where all <laughs> they do they do, they do de- sex and drugs and rock and roll and he literally finds a kid who's possessed by all these demons which are again divinity and uh, div- divination that is uh and witchcraft and all this kind of stuff like those are the names of the demons possessing this kid uh and that makes him do bad stuff there's one kid who's not so bad but he gets exercised and then there's a kid who does all like the 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 real dirty work for the uh he he does some of the he he's like a, a hired goon for them and he's possessed by all kinds of uh horrible demons uh but yeah it's implied that yeah the 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 arcade is one of the central the psychology department of the university the arcade uh at one point uh there's a it starts with a big carnival coming to town uh and you know hey fortune tellers uh a lot of people went to get their fortunes told and that invited the demons in that kind of stuff um you know and i'm not like i'm not particularly interested in defending you know new age fortune telling and divinity and stuff like that but it's funny that this book sees this as this huge problem that's running amok and it's the single biggest problem in the world today you know not injustice or bigotry or in you know like people to a certain degree, family's falling apart, but he doesn't harp on that very much. Uh, it, like again, the biggest thing is these institutions that are promoting ideas that are new agey and occultish. Um, and in fact, this is where and and again, like this book really does stop short of a lot of the really unpleasant stuff that you see in fundamentalists. Like it's still trying to sort of make a you know a a case as reasonable people who love each love people you know it's it's got a it's got a nicer view of humanity i guess ultimately people can be people can be freed and won back from uh from from demonic influence but it really does like tiptoe up to being racist uh in that it talks about eastern occultism as a big bad influence and demonic um like it it um it says um like I, I, there's no denying that when white people get hold of eastern <laughs> occultism bad stuff does sometimes happen like sure uh and it's you know it's crackpot uh, stuff. yeah yeah it, um uh, madame blavatsky who uh uh did not understand any of it but uh sort of changed how oh, the public viewed um those topics yeah yeah i mean and you know hitler using the swastika and stuff yeah. like that there's all there's some really you know that you, you really get into some some bad not always that bad but like you know pretty uh off the wall stuff um i think they met briefly mentioned yoga in this but it's not like a big thing but like it's it's another sign of people embracing these uh we, and and just the idea of reincarnation 
uh, is bad. One thing that he harps on is the idea of if reincarnation is our thing and if, you know, you you learn better by reincarnating yourself, then it's okay to commit suicide, which the demons use to drive people to suicide uh, so that they'll come back better in their next life. That's a misunderstanding of Hugh Eastern religions uh, there. Uh Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and again, I could, if I'm being generous, I could say, well, this is, you know, a, an appropriation of the Eastern religion rather than, you know, any kind of act like there's, he's very, he, he never tries to imply these are real Hindus or real Buddhists or anyone teaching this pe- people stuff. It's a bunch of weirdo neo-pagans, as he calls them. He does at one point say there's a mysterious little priest from a, quote, far-off pagan land who comes in to, to sacrifice, to, to do uh, satanic rituals and so on. And, uh, and again, he does, you know, there is sort of the question of like, well, if this is all bad, sure, you can argue these people are appropriating it and it's bad, but how do you feel about the actual Eastern religions, which are a real established thing? And it does, at one point he says they're vaguely Hindu rituals, uh, which again, applies vagueness, but also implies that you're saying Eastern religions are satanic, which is not good. Um, I don't think he thought that part through very carefully, or he did, and he just knew he couldn't come out and say, yeah, Easterners are satanic. And he knew that would not be handled, that would not be uh, uh, greeted very well. And uh, again, like the fact that he talked, he very vaguely talks about this priest coming, uh, who's a foreigner who teaches, who, who wants to, invoke satan worshiping makes me kind of go uh, <laughs> i i feel like he's tiptoeing around full-on racism at this point so that was not my favorite thing i'm um, curious any uh anti-semitism or oddly enough uh i would say no i mean it, there's a certain level of implied anti-semitism just from well it's only christianity and everyone else is benighted and evil and so forth there is a, a character named uh bernice kruger uh, who I don't think is supposed to be Jewish, but she's not Christian. Like, she's a non-believer, but she is one of the good guys. Uh, like, that's actually pretty explicit. I think he wanted a non-believer. Who does, by the end, she's starting to come over to Christianity. She's be- becoming converted. But it was the idea that, like, yeah, you know, we're not saying anyone who isn't a Christian is evil, basically, and she's one of the, the helpful good guys. Uh, he does have a toss-away line at one point about... Um, how this uh, universal consciousness church, which is what these evil Satan worshipers are calling themselves. And of course, there's a bunch of them at the UN. At one point, we we take a trip to to uh, New York and we see how a, a whole bunch of them are, are flocking around, the, the demons are flocking around the UN and in, in infecting powerful people. So oh, of, of course, course, there's the, the globalists are doing <laughs> all this, you know. Uh, so there's that. Not quite uh, but as he does bad talk- as the, uh, the left behind one where... Um... The um, Antichrist is literally the um, um, uh, speaker of the UN. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's not a fan of the UN, but it's it. Uh, he he kind of sort of he he leaves a lot to the view- reader's imagination, and I think that's again deliberate. He doesn't want to be outright say anything outright bigoted, and maybe he's not even that outright bigoted. He's just very vague in his beliefs. I don't know, but definitely like yeah, global elites are converging and stuff like that i mean i could just about say that um maybe this is at a time when global elite uh, i i don't know global elites is usually code but there is a legitimate dislike for you know handing over power of america to anyone else like america needs to be the dominant power in the world to these people uh so like you can see how that you could have come by that honestly without just believing that it's uh, an anti-Semitic com- conspiracy. But yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, he, I will say he has one moment where uh, he says that um, this Universal Consciousness Church, um, in their in their actions, they are trying to stomp out, they're trying to pass anti-Christian and anti-Jewish legislation. That's something that he says in there. So he does kind of have a oh, the Jewish people are on the same team as us. Like Okay, so that's like a bit. Judeo-Christian um, exactly. dog whistle, which doesn't actually mean anything, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. No, it's definitely the uh, Judeo... He said, they say Judeo-Christianity at a couple top points. And, like, again, it's the sort of... Again, like, just not thinking about it. But, I, you know, I, I, I want to say he's got a... 
non-hateful view on it, but he's definitely just mindlessly going, well, the Jews are on our side. They just, someday they'll come around to Christianity kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's not, it's it's still anti-Semitic, but in a kind of, I didn't think about this kind of way, and I don't have anything violently against them. It's just, you know, how I, how I think of my religion. I think religion, they're all basically. going to hell unless they convert to my, but, you know. They, I, I they think do think about that about everybody else as well. So yeah, I I mean I I have heard from some evangelical dimensions where they don't actually think the Jews are they think the Jews are going to get in uh, to heaven without converting necessarily. Although I've heard it argued that well they'll be sort of the lesser group in heaven. Like there's there's hierarchies in heaven supposedly. Uh, I remember see, hearing a, a an evangelical argument that like. Uh, well, there's going to be the floating city of heaven that floats up in the sky, and then there'll be the land below, and the Jews will live on the land, and the Christians will live in the floating city of heaven. But it'll be heaven. So I'm like, okay, I guess that's not as bad <laughs> as, you know, saying they're all going to hell. But anyway, it's it's there's some weird ideas out there in terms of reconciling that, for sure. It's not as simple as, you know, convert or die. And And for a long time, again, Christians were... There were, and there still are, groups of Christians who try to reconcile that and try to not be hateful about it. But yeah, it's you, you get into some weird places. That is actually kind of like something that this book plays up, the idea that um, like ultimately it's the people who think differently than us are evil. Uh, so even if he's not intending like hatefully towards them, uh, it, it kind of comes up with this attitude of like, well, we're right and everyone else is wrong and don't expose yourself to new ideas or to people who are different or you risk being deceived by Satan, right? Like even a, mm. even within the Christian church, if you're if you're accepting of other viewpoints, you know, you're you're a dupe of Satan. Like that's that's the implication of a lot of what he's saying here, unfortunately. Um, and again, I, I feel like being generous it's that he didn't think it through that carefully but maybe he did and he's just trying to be as vague as possible speaking of exposing yourself to new ideas here are some words from our sponsor we'll be right back on what mad universe we're here to announce a special deal for all of our what mad universe listeners if you've had your eye on any of the pink variants on HyperX gear, you can save 15% off during the month of October by using code HXPN over at HyperX.com. Get yourself an elegant white pink Cloud 2 or a metallic pink Alloy Origin 60 or any of the other pink peripherals on the site. Once again, head over to HyperX.com and get 15% off all pink gaming products with code, all caps, HXPN. In a world with too many comic book podcasts and not enough deep dives into your favorite superheroes, one podcast stands as a shining beacon in a world of pain and darkness. Yeah, yeah, darkness. Yeah, lots of darkness. Bunch of dark stuff. Superhero stuff you should know. That's us. Andrew, why are you talking like that? I'm the movie voice guy now. I'm the new movie voice guy. And it's time for you to listen to superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> uh, so we have like unused concept art, unmade scripts, unmade superhero movies. All check us out at superhero stuff you should know. Ben, you should do a movie voice guy voice. Guy voice. Uh, I would, but I think we're out of time. Superhero Stuff You Should Know, part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Part of the HyperX Podcast Network. I just said that. Um... There is another aspect to this. Uh, let me be, before I go back to something that really bugged me. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it now. The other aspect that bothered me is that, like, when the um, uh, the Universal Consciousness Church tries to take over places, and they're never, it's never clear on why they want this one particular small town. Except that I think that's something that the audience for this can relate to. That oh, my small town is the center point for spiritual warfare, and yeah, not that, New York. Yeah, that's what I meant by world. Red Dawn. Like they. They're really interested in in small town America, apparently, which uh, 
even though not a lot of people live there. Yeah, well, but it's it, it, it's it because does... it's it's uh, the audience they're going for, as you say, is um, mm-hmm. probably going to be in small towns. So, yeah. Well, the the irony about all that is that it is definitely true that you can see all kinds of corruption and uh, like bad stuff happening in small towns, like. A lot of the the worst impulses of the current American culture comes because there'll be a couple of local hotshots in a small town who run the town and have all this power, and everyone else is kind of you know works for them, or and so they're loyal to them, or they're impoverished and they're kept down, and the police all work for them. It's the kind of like going back to the Wild West. There was that kind of company town idea, and uh, that is definitely a real thing. And in a way, this um, this book is sort of emphasizing that but the irony is that, that you know christianity like fundamentalist christians have been doing the exact same stuff they talk about the universal consciousness doing which is to come in install all their own people in places in of authority you know take over universities take over the legal system the judges uh the politics uh, all the all the institutions and make sure that their people are running the place misappropriate funds uh, and uh, you know, drive people out who who uh, who challenge them in any way, and make sure that their ideology is front and center. Like there are tr- in this book, it's being attributed to an evil satanic conspiracy, but it's absolutely in line with how places like Liberty University or uh, you know um, the uh, really just any like the 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 American Republican Party in general has been operating for a while now. Uh, it's like we said. Oh, they're they're. It's bad because it's Satan, but otherwise their actions are good, and we should follow their actions. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's kind of what you get from it. And the other thing that really uh, is bothersome about this, and you know, trigger warnings and all, um, that their one of their biggest moves is to uh, have people get accused of sexual assault and molestation, um, and thereby drive them out of town and have them be, you know. And usually it's kind of arrested, but then make a deal of get out of town and we won't send you to jail. And they try that on both the main characters, including literally like, so the main character's daughter gets under the sway of this evil psychology professor who, you know, hypnotizes her and makes her into past life regression. And uh, this is, again, a big thing that they had in the 80s with the satanic panic, the idea of repressed memories of abuse, right? Yeah. And uh, they have it that it's the satanic people who are implanting memories of abuse that didn't actually happen uh, and using it to accuse their enemies, basically. And that gets done with his daughter. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it, definitely was the Satanists doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that gets real. And it, I mean, it, it's multiple examples of that throughout the book. And it, and it, that's really unpleasant that, that he uses that. Like, you know, there, there's, you know, as if powerful people didn't, you know, weren't guilty of taking advantage in all kinds of horrible ways. And as if, you know, these accusations are being thrown around. Well, like it was really. And as if every gross. religious organization hasn't um, had mm-hmm. hierarchies, you know, basically um, um, established to allow this sort of thing to happen. Like, yeah. the, I mean, the Catholic Church, obviously, with the shifting priests around, but I mean, the Baptists did that too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's 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 lots of and and when you read that this guy was a former priest, I, I don't want to imply anything about Peretti. I don't know anything bad about him, but it's it's definitely like he's. I, I'm sure he's a perfectly innocent guy, but it's kind of I'm going to defend the hierarchy of you know the church. In, in yeah, that I don't know. It, you know? it that yeah. sort of thing does feel like telling on yourself a little bit. Yeah, um, exactly. Like um, uh, you know, well, the Deb stands. <laughs> like uh, the Brian Singer movie where um, uh, it ends with a, a kid um, um, getting away with uh, his crimes because he's uh, otherwise he'll accuse his teacher of molesting him. Um, yeah, exactly. That 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 being a trope is really bad. Um, it's like it, uh, it's not. I'm sure it, it's not that it never happens, but it's like it, of course it it's railed up as this real threat to. To good people that that might happen and in fact you know what what about the other way around we you know we need to consider that right that's that's yeah. far more important uh anyway so that's something again that makes me really it really turns turns you off this book um <clears throat> but i do want to talk about the actual supernatural and fantastical element of it um which is uh basically 
what you could predict. But it is interesting that he talks about just like demons are everywhere. Like he, he, there's a scene early on, they're in the church, and the church is swarming with demons because the demons are in there to mess around with everyone's heads. And the angels are there too. And it's funny because the angels and the demons have this like, not exactly cordial, they, they hate each other, but there's a kind of, okay, you guys stand over there and we stand <laughs> over here and we wait for the pre- sermon to do and you can... Do whatever you want during the, well, not whatever you want, but like we're not going to be literally fighting each other. Although, of course, they're, you know, they're at, they're at risk of a fight breaking out any time. But the the angels have been told to sort of wait uh, and take their time. And a demon in one scene does come up to an angel, a new angel who hadn't been there before, uh, and start like uh, poking and like poking him with his sword and kind of threatening him and so forth. And it's sort of de- they managed to de-escalate it, but there's a sense of like, yeah, there could have been a there could have been a fight right then and there in the church. Um, and of course, if there's a huge battle between angels and demons, it doesn't, humans don't see it. Like at, at only in very rare occasions do humans actually see the angels and only in very rare occasions do the angels or demons actually physically intercede by like, you know, at, at one point they, they, they stall a car so that the heroes will, the angels do that. Uh, so the heroes will have to go into a, a particular uh, bar and they meet up with someone who has information for them for instance um <clears throat> but it's fairly rare f- and they they help someone escape at one point of uh, someone who's in with the cult who escapes and becomes a, a whistleblower basically uh they help uh, they help her escape um like by doing a f- by nudging a few things but it's very subtle they don't they don't sweep down out of the sky and carry you off or anything they just like they tweak a one thing here one thing there that help you uh they 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 help someone fake their death by you know getting them out of a car before it goes off the road that kind of thing um but there's yeah it's it's mostly like the battle between the demons and the angels is happening all around our heads while we're not looking um and i did like that it got me i mean i was thinking a bit of uh the uh the screw tape letters by uh, c.s lewis where he's talking about how the demons are hanging on to you all the time and there's all these different ploys you're supposed to use to to steer them away from good and you know oh he's a christian but as a demon you have to do this and this and that and everyone has has an assigned demon and presumably assigned angels as well uh but then there's greater angels that do the actual fighting so there's people who have demons living on them basically and hanging on to them um and um like the main character actually has a this is actually kind of clever the main guy has the demon complacent a demon named complacency i can't imagine it's the only demon of complacency uh marshall he's he he you know his family's been falling apart and the demon complacency has been hanging around and and bothering him and uh early on an angel actually comes up and scares off complacency and helps him to start to reconcile with his daughter a little bit and then the the demon complacency goes running to the boss demon uh at the time it's a demon named lucius uh and he basically says I, you know, an angel tried to stop me. I think they're planning something, those angels. This is the demon complacency. And Lucius is like, no, no, it's fine. We we know what we're doing. So like, the demon complacency is trying to start, sound the alarm to the other demons, which was great, <laughs> which is kind of cool, I thought. Um, and then uh, then literally a new boss comes in named Rafar, Baal Rafar, who is, quote, the Prince of Babylon. So again, implying that, like, America's becoming like Babylon, uh, you know, he was the he was the king in Babylon, and he helped lay waste to Babylon and bring in, you know, presumably human sacrifice. I, I, you know, uh, all the bad all the bad stuff that gets associated with Babylon, um, which is funny because I'm not sure it was that much worse than any other Middle Eastern or uh, country at that time. Probably not. I think time. it's a thing where it's just they were enemies of the the people writing it. Yeah. Um, well, it is actually it, it's funny because the uh, the Babylonian era yeah okay I, I guess I don't know enough about this to say that my understanding was that was actually a, a bit of a high point for uh Judaism like the Jews were actually looked after oh no I'm, I'm sorry I'm thinking of the Persian era uh like the there was definitely a period uh during the reign of the Persian kings where the Jews were a protected class and uh I know that there was some of the Bible was written during that era I can't remember if the Babylonian era I anyway presumably you know they they were uh they weren't uh, good to the Jews at one point. So, and I know the famous line "Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great." Uh, I think the other thing is that uh, early Christians used Babylon as a stand-in for Rome because uh, they were yeah. at war with Rome. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's definitely a thing in in Revelation. Um, um, Babylon is is the thing <clears throat> that um, is the nation that they're that's persecuting Christians, 
and that is just very obviously Rome uh, in very uh, mm-hmm. not not very subtle coding. Right, because they couldn't just say anti-Rome because they'd be, you know, they'd be guilty of treason against yeah. the Roman state if they did that. So they 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 coded everything, which was traditional with for Jewish writers. They they were used to speaking in metaphors and codes and things, and the Romans were very literal and just didn't get it. <laughs> so they 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 allowed them to get away with a lot for a while until up until they were a convenient scapegoat. But um, yeah, so I think that's carried on into the idea of Babylon. Be- I mean, it's a very romantic and cool image of like Babylon, the great city of evil. Um, it's funny, I was reading um, uh, the Silmarillion the other day just because of the new Tolkien show that's out. And he describes uh, Numenor, which is essentially Atlantis, but it has a very Babylon feel to it. Uh, like he, the, the, they grow mighty and they, oh, they actually take Sauron prisoner and they take him back to, to Numenor and... Sauron ends up like worming his way into the confidence of our Farazan, the, the Numenorean king, and and convincing him to worship Morgoth, Sauron's master, who is essentially the devil, um, and uh, and that ends up leading to uh, Numenor becoming this Satan worshiping again, so very much like Babylon, um, and being eventually destroyed by the by actually God, not not even the the Valar who are the the angelic God stand-ins in the in the the Tolkien legendorium, but they literally say, okay, God, please step in and do something about this. And a giant wave comes and destroys Numenor. So that's, that's always a powerful image in a lot of, uh, you know, in a lot of fantastical writing and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's cool. I I'm down with it. I'm not here to necessarily go to great lengths of, and and I mean, there definitely was violence and human sacrifice and stuff in the middle East uh, back in the day. I mean, there's no, no getting around it or indeed the kind of corruption that comes with any big, powerful civilization that uh, that uh, builds itself up. <clears throat> but uh, you were saying so- screw tape letters. Uh, I was reminded a bit of uh, Good Omens, uh, particularly uh, Crowley's character um, um, mm-hmm. causing, um, say, uh, the scene where he gets uh, um, admonished by his demonic bosses for um, not being, you know, demonic enough with his with his uh, bad miracles and stuff and um Crowley says um uh you know he, he spent all this time uh making um a uh um driving experience slightly worse for people and that'll like spread um like bad moods all over the place and it'll cause uh um people to act out in ways that uh uh you couldn't predict so like you're not tempting somebody directly you're just sort of making uh the conditions right for them to uh sin basically yeah exactly that seems like a a response to uh some of the stuff we see in this book where it's like the demons take a very and angels take a very personal interest in everyone and you know either uh tempting them or saving them and so on and and this and crowley's more of a big picture guy and that like that i don't want to say this is the story that inspired the idea of um uh angels and demons like uh fiddling with everyone's individual personalities and so on i mean that existed before this for sure but it might have popularized it in the popular imagination to a while and in fact that's something that gets criticized uh even in like christian theological circles about this book because it, it literally is um uh just saying like oh so much of it is not your free will or your your own under your own power it's uh demons coming in and making you feel this way or angels coming in and making you feel this way and the only real factor is whether you're saved and whether you pray hard enough and if people pray harder the angels gain more power and can defeat the demons and that's a big plot point in the book they're trying to build up enough praying quote saints uh who can uh, build up enough quote prayer cover he calls it that so that they can uh, fight off these very powerful demonic entities that are taking over the town and it's you know the challenge is whether uh hank is going to build up enough uh enough followers and have people praying hard enough that they can uh that they can empower the angels to overthrow the demons um so like that's uh you know it's 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 very much uh but but like yeah people it seems like all the humans are basically decent except that some of them have demons on them like who can be exercised so it's kind of like where does free will fit into this and some of them i guess are more susceptible to the demons than others 
but if you believe certain things, the demons can possess you, and if you don't, they can't. And like it, it's 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 a bit deterministic, you know. You don't mm-hmm. have as much uh, you don't have as much say in being. Although, as I said, I mean, Bernice, the, there's one character who's uh, who's not a Christian. She is able to side with the good guys and do good <clears throat> things. Um, I, I'm sensing a bit of Calvinism in in here. Yeah, a little bit. It's 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 you know. I guess your personal willpower matters, but um, you know, he never said he never he, he does imply that there's weak people, but then they'll they'll eagerly come to uh, Christianity to have their demons exercised. Like like I say, the one guy who's a goon who threatens some of the characters, beats up one of the characters at one point at the bidding of the the villains, and um, like as a threat. And uh, when they find him, they're able to exercise a bunch of his demons, and he he sort of implicitly is uh fall is coming back to to being a good guy in christianity and all is forgiven like he was almost murdered someone you know and of course again in the world of the story demons are making you do bad things uh but it's it's a bit of a and the humans accept this even though they see very little of the angels and demons they're just that's the other thing like god will tell them oh yeah here's the name of the demon you should be praying against Oh, Rafar. Okay, I'll pray against Rafar, and he comes, and he's to help. That helps defeat him in the final battle. It's you know, it's again, it's 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 a little mechanistic in that sense. You know, mm. there's not a lot of, and there's not a lot of surprises in terms of the angels being the like the demons don't actually beat the angels very much. Any like it's it's uh it's it's there's not a lot of tension that the good guys are going to win as there wouldn't be for that kind of thing. Or generally was... speaking yeah the, the oh. good guy, there's well that, i mean like you know the good guys are going to win yeah. that's not in a lot of doubt essentially so anyway so but it's so it's it's uh, it seems to be a crucial book in american culture but it's a little bit of a depressing read is all i'm saying um mm-hmm. you know it, it doesn't it doesn't do a lot of interesting things with these ideas it's just kind of the baseline for what we've come to think of as spiritual warfare and angels and demons type stuff and it's like almost anyone who's commenting on it anyone who's riffing on these is like finding a new twist on it as it were you know Mm -hmm. uh but this is just the baseline so to speak well we've once again routed the forces of darkness so it's time to say amen and farewell we have been biblically accurate multi-eyed podcasters adam prosser and philip rice uh we were hosted by the heavenly engineer alex ross and the theme song was by the lesser angel of the 7-4 time signature, Jack Furick. Uh, just a reminder, we both have a Patreon, which helps pay for hosting costs and whatnot. If you subscribe to either of us, you can listen to this podcast early every time, as well as getting bonus material, cut footage, and illustrations and comics, among other things. Uh, just go to Patreon and search for Philip Rice with one L, or Adam Prosser with two S's, or what-mad-universe.pinecast.co for the links. It's a new site. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at WMU Podcast or Prankster36 for me or Spear Hafok A for Philip. Uh, and check out also HeroesLive.tv, which is a site I'm uh, overseeing as the comic book editor. There's some cool stuff there. Um, here endeth the lesson. Go forth and sin no more. Mm-hmm.